Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to WFUV FC, Fordham University's flagship soccer podcast. I'm joined today by Rich Franco and Christian Hoban. I'm your host, Tyler Bailey. We've got a lot on our plates today. We're talking MLS Cup, which just happened this past weekend. Breaking down some of the fixtures from the English Premier League over the weekend. And we're looking forward to the round of 16 in UEFA Champions League. And sneak peek, Arsenal did a totally Arsenal thing. Went and got themselves a bad draw just for just for winning a group. Can you believe that? They can't win for losing. They lose for winning, actually. Well, yeah, and yeah. if they had finished second in the group, they probably would have gotten Barcelona. So it's, they, they, they just it's, can't win. It's, they can't. It's between a rock and a hard place. Just like that's right where Arsenal belongs. <laughs> but we're going to start today uh, with... Probably the marquee disappointment of the weekend, and that was <laughs> Major League <laughs> Soccer Cup, uh, wherein the Seattle Sounders, despite not putting a shot on goal for the entire 120 minutes of action, managed to beat Toronto at BMO Field in Toronto. And let me tell you, that game was fun because of the atmosphere, but it was a typical cup final on the field. It was cagey, it was sporadic, uh, it was sloppy. And it was cold. It was so cold. Well, it, you know, it's Toronto in December. I mean, yeah. I and for know. all the people wishing MLS would go to a FIFA calendar, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Imagine playing Impossible. in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, and Colorado. Freezing. In February, no. January. Wouldn't oh, happen. I think Michael yeah. Bradley was out there with short sleeves. Yeah, him. Yeah, it would, it would look <laughs> like that, that U.S. What was it? Where they oh, played Costa yeah, Rica when, when they it Costa snowed. Rica, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, what it would, that's what it would look like. Yeah, that's what it would be like. It was incredible. All right, so that game. It's I'm gonna dub it how Seattle stole Christmas because brutal because because they're the villains they really are in in Major League Soccer they're like they're the super club they've never been able to put it together once they've gotten to the playoffs despite getting to the playoffs every time uh, it's come around since their inception back in 2009 um, they've won a few Open Cups and they finally got it done on the field throughout the entire season this time. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this and you know anything about Major League Soccer, you know what Seattle's done throughout the year. They started off absolutely terribly. Uh, In July, they were at the bottom of the Western Conference, fired Ziggy Schmidt, the only coach they've ever had, signed Nico Ladero, promoted Brian Schmetzer to the head coach position, and absolutely went on a tear. Uh, Made pretty much the great escape from being out of the playoffs and followed it through all the way through with an MLS Cup championship. And even though... The product on the field wasn't the prettiest. You have to give them credit. So, where do you guys want to start breaking this down? Um, first of all, the July tenth, bottom of the table, December tenth, MLS Cup champions. That that's a Cinderella story right there. Yeah, if you, if you ask me, and and it really started with the MLS Cup MVP Ste- Stephen Fry. Yeah. yeah, and he was he was amazing. It he he. St- Single-handedly, to me, won the match. I mean, literally single-handedly. Yeah, yeah, with that with that one hand, there's yeah, three fingers that, on his oh, left hand. Incredible save! I didn't Odell think, I didn't think it was going to be on frame. I thought it was a weak header, but um, yeah, Josie got up for that one. Oh yeah, um, that's the highest he's ever jumped in his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it all came for naught, just like Josie yeah. Altidore's career. Oh, <laughs> on blast! Folks, <laughs> Christian Hoban is not a Josie Altidore right fan. Apparently, not a, not a Josie Altidore fan. But we'll move on. We'll move on. Yeah, but Stefan Fry. I mean, that's got to be that's got to go down as one of the top two saves in MLS Cup history throughout the entire twenty cups oh, that we've had from '96 to 2016. That's got to be probably the best one. Not only because of the actual athleticism that it requires to make that save, but on the biggest stage in the biggest game, that's it, so clutch. It was extra time too. So it, it you know it. 
it was winding down the match. He was making save after save after yeah. save. And there was that one where he had that collision with Josie, too. And I think the biggest story was finding out after the match, because you know, I haven't followed MLS for a long time, was he was Toronto's first-round yeah, pick time, in, from 2010, was traded in 2013 to Seattle, and then comes back to Toronto on their home field and and steals, you know, steals the match. Yeah, it's crazy. I bet if you told Toronto FC fans that in 10 years their first-round draft pick, their their keeper would come back and, and win a title in Toronto, they'd be like, oh, great. Yeah. Like, it's going to take 10 yeah. years, but we're going to get we're, a we're cup. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Psych. <laughs> no, he's playing for Seattle, and Seattle's going to win the cup on your home territory. And you know what? That's so Toronto sports. Come on. They were so close, but they couldn't get it done. And yeah. you got you to feel for him. But, um, you know, Michael Bradley's taken a lot of flack for his play, both with Toronto and with the national team, over this year. You know, to his credit, he did put together a great game in that D-mid spot in the championship, but that penalty kick, oh when it when it came down oh to boy. it, has been so indicative of the way his career has gone in big games. He just He's never been on the field for a team that's won a trophy, even though the U.S. national team has won plenty of trophies like in, in regional play when he's been a part of the team. He's never been on the field for one of those. <laughs> and you got to think, like, is, is Michael Bradley a... a is he is he cursed? Yeah, what's going he's, on? He has to be cursed, and you know, I I don't know if it's you know his dad is cursed and he's cur- I don't know, but it's hey, the fighting Bob Bradley. The fighting Bob Bradley. They put they put up a win this week, so maybe not, but uh, it's just it's it's weird it's to see because he has such a huge leadership role on both teams, and you know he's Captain America, and he's been the star of Toronto since he's come back um, in twenty fourteen. Uh, he was doing great things with Roma. It was an excellent addition to them. Um, and he's been such a big part of the national team. And, you know, even though his play hasn't always deserved it, he has been the star. And you wonder, is he not built for that kind of pressure after all this time? I, I want to take you back to 2014 World Cup game against Portugal. Oh, don't do this to me. <laughs> that, don't do it, Rich. That, that second goal. Oh boy! Was a turnover from Michael Bradley in the oh. midfield off of a poor touch, and they come down, tie the game in extra time. Yep, I'm nodding. Time. I'm nodding, and but there are also tears rolling down my face. <laughs> yeah, I, I see him. But that was an awful penalty. It's like Michael Bradley comes to the big stage. His name's there. I don't see him. He, he, he even though he had a great game. You've got to do it when it matters. You got to yeah. do it. You got to be and, clutch. And you and you're the captain of this team. You got to step up and net your penalty. And it was a weak kick. I know you just played 120 minutes, but so did everyone else. But, but yeah, so did everyone else. That's right. And he just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. That's right. So I want to wrap this up, but shout out to Seattle because like their fans have been such a great addition to this league. They pack Century League Field every home game. They've been such a bastion for soccer culture in America and like no matter how much of the like the the evil empire villain they've been kind of in their own right, uh, I think it's about time they won this. And I mean one of these clubs had to win it. So, yeah. There's been one that just hasn't been able to quite get there and there was one that has been futile for 10 years and finally got there. So, credit to both teams, but um Seattle Sometimes you have to play not to lose in a cup final, and you did a great job of that. Um, Stefan Fry is going to get a statue of himself built outside their training facility or something like that. But um, from one big stage to the other, 
Let's head across the pond and talk about some EPL matchups because, my goodness, were there a bunch of those this weekend. I'm talking Arsenal 3-1 over the cold and rainy Stoke City Potters. We can we can skip that one. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and um, you know what? You know what was a good one? Leicester City. Oh boy! Oh, taking on Manchester City. That was fun. At I, King oh, Power I Stadium. That. that that was very exciting. And beating the heck out of them. Where beating did that the heck come out from? Of them. A, l- a little Leicester magic from last year, huh? Yeah, Jamie yeah. Vardy. Finally, has returned. I the also, Goblin I, has I don't want to just say Jamie Vardy because if you watch all three of Jamie Vardy's goals. Riyad Mahrez is right there. Yeah, and, and he was just named uh, African Player of the Year today. Yeah, and he's fully deserved. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, let's see what he did last year. With yeah, Leicester, he's, but, he's the talisman. But um, he had these touches to Vardy off of of Bosnia. First touch, boom, to Vardy's feet. And Jamie Vardy is arguably, arguably, possibly a world class striker. He he's very he's, good he's, at putting get, himself in he, positions to yeah. get things he, done, and his ability to uh, finish great, crazy great, chances yeah. is just yeah. it's off uh, the a charts. poacher. Yeah, in, yeah. in um, one way or another. Yeah, yeah. and and people he's take very that opportunistic. Term with a, yeah. yeah, people take that term poacher with a negative connotation because it, it devalues some of their other skills. But I don't think so. I think that's a great thing. If yeah, you can if, put if, yourself if, in if, positions if, and finish it off. At the end of the that's day, what it's all if, about. If, if you're putting balls in the net, you're you're doing your job. You're winning. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny that that's like negative. Like, oh yeah, all that's all he does. He just stands there and scores goals. Kills kills elephants for their ivory. Yeah, it's a poacher. Exactly. But yeah, oh, and wow. that the third goal to seal <laughs> to seal his hat trick, that was that was something. That finish. Poor John Stones. John Stone. There's so many narratives in this game. There's what is Pep Guardiola <laughs> doing there's team. There is why is John Stones still starting. There is is Jamie Vardy still still he's does he still have it? And then there's is Leicester City finally back on track, even I, though it took a three nil thumping at Porto to get him I, back on track. I, I think I saw something. I saw something on Twitter that said, "What's more valuable on a, on a soccer pitch, a pile of stones or John Stones?" So the pile, I, yeah. Pile. yeah. Somebody yeah. might like trip and yeah. hurt their yeah. ankle or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Though, would you so. award a penalty if someone trips over a pile of stones? I don't know. Well, that's, if, that's John, the official, if John Stones is on the ground, is he a pile of stones? Yes. So yeah, I guess he would. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, there intent. The reason John Stones is still on the pitch is because of that price tag. Uh, yeah, you I guess can't so. leave that price tag on the bench. I mean, he was, you know. No, and I mean, I don't, I don't signing. really understand why he was so highly touted. I mean, with Everton last season, Everton's defense was the reason they lost so many games. Like their attack put together some great numbers. I mean, they, I mean, come on, like they have player, they have Lukaku, and he had a right. great season last year. Yeah. But how many times did they like just flit away games? late in the match because of a sloppy mistake from their defense, and John Stones was on the pitch every time that happened. Now, there are other things, especially this season, they're playing a 3-5-2, that's Pep Guardiola, so John Stones is being asked as a young player to adjust to a new position and do what his coach wants him to do, and I get that that's very tough, but if you're a top-quality player and you have that kind of price tag, you absolutely have to perform, and he's very clearly not done that. So is it time to move on? Is it time to switch the tactics? Or is Pep Guardiola just going to ask upper management to buy him some new toys? Uh, it's probably just going to ask him to buy some new toys. I mean, with I mean, a, a club that, with Guardiola and the the draw of you know all the talent on that roster, I think you know you can't go in house for like oh we'll get another center back from the reserves or from the youth squad. I mean, you got to bring in a big name, right? But yeah. is there is there a part of this wherein you know? Pep Guardiola still has faith in John Stones and the rest of the personnel that he already puts on the field, but says, all right, what if we go back to a, a, a back four in defense instead of this back three and five and two? Because it's an adjustment not only for Stones, but for all the players. Because like even though these are top-quality professionals, 
they have played a certain way at Manchester City for a long time. I think I think what Manchester City is, you know, Pep's not going to change his tactics because, like you just said, that's going to throw off the rest of the team, and I feel like the rest of the team is playing well. It's just he needs he's going to need to go out and buy a new toy. And Manchester City, they're, they're not going to have a problem shedding the cash out for this. But it was that huge price tag on Stones, and he was a, he's a project. He's a young guy who he needs time to develop into and come into his own. And it's going to come down to the January transfer window for them to go out and actually go and get a new center back and, and at maybe at least loan Stones out so he can grow because you can't buy a guy like that and keep him on the bench, so at least send him out and let him play somewhere. Maybe not in the premiership, but elsewhere so he can't hurt you. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's too soon to give up on Stones, but I think, you know, Manchester City's a team that's competing for top four, potentially for the uh, title, though maybe not. But you can't, you, can't, you can't give up on Stones entirely at that price tag, but you can't leave him back out there at game after game when he's not the best choice for your team. So, And I mean, not only that, I mean, think about what it's doing to him psychologically. If you're hanging him out to dry every single match, and he's a young player and he's getting pounded by the fans and by the media, that's that's not going to help his confidence. No. So it's not like he's just going to get better. Like if you're if you're stuck behind a mental wall, like clearly something needs to change and if he needs to change his scenery, that's obviously one place to look. If he needs a little bit of time on the bench just to kind of get the pressure off him, that could be another way to look. But Pep Guardiola has been a very successful manager and I think it's about time that he he knows that time is running out for him to make a decision. So something is going to have to give very quickly. And before we move on to the round of 16 UEFA Champions League draw, I do want to give a quick shout out to the fighting Bob Bradleys over at Swansea City. My goodness, did they put on a show this weekend against an equally terrible side in David Moyes' <laughs> Sunderland? Ah, uh, incredible. I, 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 Swansea, honestly, they dominated the match. I think they had like 60 40 possession wise, and I don't, I barely think Sunderland managed yeah more than a two shots on on goal and I, I I picked Sunderland to win the match it, it was my that was my guess but they proved me wrong and kudos to Bob and the those fighting Swansea city boys the, the fighting swans fighting swans <laughs> hey they're within one point of not being in the relegation zone anymore yeah Good and for I mean them. let's 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 not forget that the players on this Swansea skitty squad are Atrocious. The the squad yeah. that they oh, have, yeah. especially their back four, is 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 just Brutal. a mess. It's an absolute a, the, mess. The, the, the two weeks before the this match, they, they gave, gave nine, nine goals. goals. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I mean to get a clean sheet. I mean I know it's Sunderland, but they have Jermaine Defoe and like they've yeah. scored some I mean, goals this season. Like that's got to be a really good boost for them. And um, Fernando Llorente, you know he hasn't been in the squad long, but a brace yesterday or Saturday, sorry, and uh, a couple good performances in the past, and I think they're on the right track. And suddenly. After starting the season with, or starting Bob Bradley's reign there with two draws and three losses, they've won two out of their last three. They got to give him time. They got to. They got to give him time. Yeah. And and yeah. you can't you can't sack him now. He's he's been handed a team that it doesn't that hasn't performed. And just because you bring a manager in doesn't mean that a team will just start performing. I mean, in some rare cases, yes, but he doesn't really have a lot to work with there. So he he needs some time to learn his players, develop his players, and see what he can put out on the pitch. At, at least give him the year, maybe two. I mean, Swansea, just the hope is don't get relegated. Yeah, 
And, I mean, the worst thing you want to do with a club like this is start a coaching carousel because, I mean, that's kind of what some of the teams at the bottom resort to because they they rely on that new manager syndrome to get the players motivated. Like, look what has ha- what's happened to Sunderland. Like, they've, they've managed to survive somehow, but they're scraping along the bottom this year, and, like, I think it's finally the year yeah. <laughs> under yeah, David Moyes that, <laughs> uh, that they're finally going to get the boot from the Premier League and have to start all over again. And we've seen it happen before. I mean, look what happened to Fulham, you know? Yeah. And the the lesson there is you can you can really fall fast and fall on your face oh, yeah. once you get relegated it's not easy no. to get oh. back up and i mean you can say well what about newcastle well they have all the resources in the world and the right. fact that they yeah. get relegated yeah. is a farce in the first place but a team like sunderland a team like fulham it's tragic once you get relegated. Yeah, gonna, and that parachute gonna... money doesn't go as long as you think it would. And the other thing is for Swansea, if they do end up getting relegated, I don't think they can give up on Bob Bradley that quickly. Yeah. I mean, even if they do get relegated, you somebody's got to build the team back up. And I think Bob Bradley, I think he, he could. I, I mean, he's never he's never going to be managing, you know, Real Madrid. He's never going to be managing like top top tier Champions League teams. Right. But I think he could could be good for a long term solution at a place like Swansea. And I think, and I think he he's want, shown that over the past I few weeks. I think he weeks. wants yeah. that challenge, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he it's wants challenging. to do it. And it'd be, I, it'd be good for American soccer if you get a yeah, it really would. And an American coach, you know, building up a team like Swansea who's, quite frankly, been not good at all. No, they have not. No. Uh, you know what else isn't good? Uh, Arsenal's draw in the UEFA Champions League <laughs> round of 16, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That makes me very happy. Poor, <laughs> poor Arsenal. <laughs> they will be facing off against none other than Bayern Munich... Uh, so let's go through the quick, full list of the round of 16 fixtures because there are some dandies in there. Uh, Manchester City, who we just talked about, will be facing off against Monaco. They should win that. They should. Uh, Real Madrid versus Napoli. Oh, poor Benfica Napoli. Benfica will be taking on Borussia Dortmund. Uh, we just talked Bayern Arsenal. Porto, Juventus, and a pretty intriguing matchup. Leverkusen versus Atletico Madrid. That'll be a fun one. And then the big money matchup, of course, Paris Saint-Germain versus Barcelona. And finishing off is Sevilla versus everybody's favorite underdog, Leicester City. What one of these matchups intrigues you the most? The most intriguing to me is Sevilla and Leicester because Sevilla is a very good team in these competitions. I mean, they they won Europa League last yeah, year, two, right? I, two I, out I, of the last three years. Yeah, they're, no, they're, I, think, I think it was, was what, it two in a row? I think it was three in a row because I think the whole story the po- was... The point is they're very good in cups. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're, they're a very good team. And Leicester, they've had their struggles in the Premier League this year, but they looked... Really good last week, and you know they're an underdog. You yeah, know, they're they a Cinderella story. Yeah, they, they won their group. They've, win their they've, group. they've looked, they've looked well, and they've looked like they're playing well in the Champions League. So I think that's really intriguing because I think on paper this is a game Sevilla should win, but that doesn't mean that they will. I don't know. Well, Leicester Magic. Huh? Yeah, Leicester Magic. You know, we'll see if it happens again. Maybe this year they'll give up on the Premier League and just go win the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I just, I mean, I just, I love when bad things happen to Arsenal. So oh, like, let's go back so and much. talk about their draw because even if they finished second place, you were saying earlier, they probably would have been stuck with Barcelona. Right. And it seems that every year <laughs> it's a choice between Bayern Munich and Barcelona for Arsenal. And Arsenal fans are like, uh, well, what do we what do? We do? Trying to pick the lesser of two evils, but I mean, they're both pretty much it's, on it's par. It's both pretty bad. But at the end of the day, if, if you're an Arsenal fan and you think your club is good enough, why can't they beat Bayern Munich they're not or, good or Barcelona, exactly. Because they're not good I, enough. And, I mean, we talk about this all the time. I mean, the, the Premier League has not put a good face on itself when it comes to the Champions League since 2012 when Chelsea won it over Bayern Munich. Um, our producer's giving me a thumbs up there and nodding smugly. Uh, but it's been it's been four years and, and 
a, a whole Euro cycle wherein England was terrible. Uh, <laughs> since <laughs> since the Premier League was competing for a medal in the Champions League. So what does that tell us about the state of these teams with all their big stars, but they can't quite compete on the biggest stage? I think it's a, I think it's interesting because everyone talks about the Premier League as one of the most competitive leagues in the world, and I think it, like there's so much depth in the Premier League. Like I know Sunderland and Swansea and those teams are really yeah, bad, but like <laughs> there's there's always like games where the bottom of the barrel teams beat the top teams, and I think you don't see that as much in La Liga. That's very much more top heavy in La Liga, in the Bundesliga. It's just so much more top heavy. The star power is so much more concentrated on these teams like Dortmund and uh, Munich and Germany and. Um, Madrid and Barcelona and Spain it's just so much more concentrated that they just dominate their league they don't have to worry about their league as much and they can focus more on the European competition but the competition for the top four five six seven spots in the Premier League is so fierce every year teams have to you know they have to balance out their domestic competition and the European competition the way some of the other teams don't have to they can focus on the Champions League right and that's a good point uh that's something that a lot of a lot of managers talk about, actually, especially when they're the ones playing in Europa League. They don't care about it at all, and most of them see it as a hindrance to their domestic trophy uh, chances. Um, but if you're in the Europa League, are you really challenging for a, a, well, a well, top that, four? Uh, well, well, that's an interesting point about Sevilla. Sevilla is they they don't challenge for the top for the championship in their domestic league, but they. Right. They go all in on the Euro- the Europa League, and, and maybe and some won. teams in the in the Premier League need to do that. Um, who are the teams left in the, Man- in the Europa well, League? Manchester United, Manchester and United, I, and I Spurs think, who I got think, knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Oh, I think. R.I.P. <laughs> I'm a Spurs fan, so. Oh, I, I buddy. Think, yeah. I think yeah. Man U could do something special in the Europa League. Uh, they actually just drew, I think, Saint Saint Etienne, which actually is. They're going to be playing Paul Pogba's brother yeah. on the pitch there. So that's that's going to be an Pogba interesting match to watch. But back to the Champions League, um, it, there's the huge drop-off between you have your top other le- teams from the other leagues. But from the EPL, it it's more focused on building a team that's competitive for the domestic league and then the Champions League, which is the, the hardest part to balance between the EPL to the Champions League versus other leagues to the Champions League. It's it it going off of that, it's funny that there's so much build up around the top making the top four and the fight for the top four to get into the Champions League and it's just like, all right, well yeah. we're, we're here now. What do we yeah. do? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna fight for next year. We're gonna fight to we're, get back into the Champions League instead of focusing on, you winning, know, actually winning. being in the Champions League. Yeah, and I mean it it's so interesting that you bring that up because it's such an it's such a complicated organizational decision from you know the top brass at the club. It's like, okay, what do we consolidate for and try to really make a run at? Because I think a lot of a lot of teams at the very top, they're like, okay, the the Premier League title matters more to us financially and uh, in terms of relevance uh, than the Champions League does. And I mean, I think that there's even more of that this year because Leicester showed that. It's a little more open of a race than it has been in the past, especially yeah. now with the big TV money rolling in. Clubs can spend money on players and on infrastructure and on making their teams more competitive. So if you have that added depth in the Premier League, which you have, I mean, look at how Leicester has failed, fared this year. They they don't have the depth yet to compete in both leagues at once. Um, but you have better players coming in. You have more exposure to the Premier League. Um Across the entire world, uh, they just signed a huge deal with China. Uh, to that's it's a multi-billion-dollar deal. I don't have the figures for, in for, front for of me. For broadcasting, yeah, for broadcasting yeah. the Premier League in China. Um, 
and you know China with their f- footballing is a whole other story. But there are more and more teams that are going to be more and more competitive along with the traditional top four teams. So I think that in a lot of ways, teams are shifting all of their focus back towards the domestic league. Yeah, and but once again, you don't see that elsewhere in Europe. I mean, the way that Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus and teams like that, the way they reach the international audience is the Champions League. So, you know, it's a little bit of a tough balance there for the Premier League teams. Yeah, it's just it's just assumed that a, that a team like Barcelona, or Real, like you know, who's going to be fighting for the title in each league, at, minus at, at least at the Bundesliga right now with our uh, Red Bull uh, Leipzig, right? I think they, <laughs> yeah, look at them go. They, huh? Yeah, <laughs> they're breaking all the rules out there. But um, it's it's that's the real difference is that teams in the Premier League, it's it's open, anybody can win on any given day. Yeah, and Watford's seventh in the Premier League right now. I mean, it, it's just crazy it's, how open it can be. Yeah, they which, had a pretty good season it, last year yeah, too. Which makes it to me the most entertaining league, and that's and that's the difference in in how people want to watch the Premier League. Whereas if you if you're really not a fan of Spanish soccer or like uh, Italian soccer, Serie A, it, you're not really going to want to watch those matches yeah, because yeah. you you the, the team that's, that's like favored the, the, is going to yeah, win most of the time. Except the big name matches. Like exactly. other than that, yeah, like right. the, there's no point in watching two lower table teams in the Bundesliga fight it out. Yeah, but I mean, maybe, I watch a lot of watch. Bundesliga, and I, it's a great oh, well, league. Like I love watching. I think the fans are a lot more passionate about Bundesliga teams than they are about uh, Premier League teams. At least and Dortmund. I know, yeah, oh, Dortmund's yeah. sick. I love watching Dortmund. The yellow wall. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, there's a there's a lot to unpack there, of course, with the the struggle between fighting for the Champions League title and for the Premier League title, and which one's more realistic, which one's going to give you the most long term success. Um, but since we're on the topic of the Champions League, we have our 16 teams left. Who do you think comes out on top this year, and uh, and and why? Ooh, that's a tough one, Lester. He <laughs> <laughs> just wants to see the magic for the, the magic. memes. Yeah, the magic. Um, Honestly, though, I like. I mean, it's it's tough to pick against Barcelona and Madrid, but I like I like the way Munich have been playing. I mean, I know they they people have been talking about maybe this isn't their year, but I I I think that they're built in a way that they can they can make a run if, if they get past Arsenal, of course. Yeah, that is. But I th- I think they can make a run. So and so as to not pick Madrid or Barcelona, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Munich this year. That's an interesting pick because you know I think they're one of the few teams uh, in Europe, especially with their league situation, that has the depth to compete yeah. with both. Yeah. I mean, we we've already talked about this a little bit. The Bundesliga depth isn't as competitive as the Premier League, and they certainly have 22, 23 players that can win them the Bundesliga. Oh, and it's just like they win the Bundesliga like pretty what? much every year, every year, yeah. and and they win it with time with matches to spare. I think what ten. Like 10 yeah, matches. they usually I, win it pretty early, but right, yeah. uh, this year, this year with Leipzig yeah, putting yeah. on a show, it's, it's, it's gonna be. It's gonna be I mean, they're they're a very well built team, and and at another time, if they keep winning, we're gonna focus a lot on them. Um, I, but but uh, Rich Franca, who do you think is gonna win? Uh, I I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Barcelona, just because they've been there before. They've they've have Messi, Suarez, Neymar. It's just I don't see. It's Real unfair. Madrid. I don't see Real Madrid doing it because you know they have Bale that's out right now, and just the depth in Barcelona as well, and not having to as much focus as much on winning La Liga. I mean, it's of course they want to win it, but if they come in second, it's it's it, not yeah. that big of a deal to them. 
you know it's going to be one of those two teams, right. uh, at least in at least in La Liga. But I mean, I hate having to pick between <laughs> Barcelona <laughs> right. and Madrid every single year because it gets a little bit boring. Um, but I mean, I'm looking at this list and I'm like, okay, maybe Paris Saint Germain, but they haven't totally been convincing to me. Uh, and they're going up against Barcelona, and I don't know if they can get past them. Which they lost to last year. Yeah. Sevilla might go ahead and, and drop out and win the Europa League <laughs> yeah. at some point. Yeah. But John's bringing the music up, so I do have to make a pick pretty soon. Manchester City's not going to win it because they're an English team. Real Madrid's not going to win it because they don't have Bale. Barcelona's going to do it because, damn it, Barcelona's going to do it, aren't they? They're just going to do it. They're going to do it. All right, so we talked about a lot of stuff today. Had a great time with you guys. Christian Hoban. Rich Franco, I'm your host, Tyler Bailey, and we will see you next week on WFUV FC. Have a great night.